Hey everybody, thanks for joining Glenn Holland, G-Money on Growing Off the Grid. The intro here is uh, one of my favorite newer reggae songs by Stick Figure called The Weight of Sound and kind of fitting for what, what I'm doing and what I'm creating. This particular episode is on the environment and how it relates to our product, the ganja grid. Thanks very much to Stick Figure. Hopefully we'll be seeing them again live in the near future after this whole pandemic thing finishes up finally. Okay, so basically there's a piece of our product, the Plant Vibration Trainer, which has to deal with not only the improvement of specifically plant and human growth, but on a larger level, planet growth. And the reason why I say that is because as we continue to become more technologically advanced, there should be ways that we can continue to not harm the planet. And we all know about fossil fuels and we all know about the, the um, effects that it can have on the atmosphere, on the planet warming and all of these um, things. Well, one of the pieces uh, that we want to address with the plant vibration trainer is to reduce some of these wastes that we have uh, that could potentially harm the planet, harm the people, harm the animals, harm the fauna and the forests and the oceans and all of these things. And so when I grew up in the 70s, there really wasn't any recycling um, things that could that were being you know done. There was there was very little uh, to be brought forward to inform people about the importance of trying to reuse, recycle, and uh, kind of use over and over again instead of this one-use plastic thing and. I, I do recall as probably I was, I'm going to say nine or 10 years old. So you're talking 1979, 1980, uh, again, in, in Montclair, New Jersey. And I remember one of my good neighbors, one of my good friends, uh, AC, Adam C, his parents took me to the recycling center and I had never, I didn't know what the hell that was. I didn't know what the fuck recycling center was. To me, cycle meant bicycle. Like, you know, I'm gonna be going bicycling, which by the way, we did back then. We didn't have all these gadgets that everybody has now. So mom and dad said, go out for the day and go bicycling. So to me, cycle was something to do with bicycling. So when I heard this recycling, I thought that we were gonna be uh, going to a place to buy some, some new bikes or some used bicycles or go to an auction or something like that. But lo and behold, they brought us to the convenience center, the recycling center. 
And in the recycling center, they had these huge, large bins of where people could bring uh, some of their some of their goods that they didn't use anymore, didn't need anymore. And so a lot of that was um, newspapers, magazines. Um, that was in one bin. There, actually, there was three different bins. There was one bin that was newspapers, so black and white print. And there was another bin that was um, magazines, like so color magazines and all these kind of things. And then the last bin was your glass bin. And and they took us there specifically to hit the glass bin up. And I, again, I didn't know what this was. I didn't know what they were talking about. But when we got there, they allowed us to, because um, back then they didn't have these big uh, uh, garbage collection type of vehicles. So people would just drop off their, their bottles and their newspapers and their magazines. And so uh, they allowed people to go into these centers and to put gloves on and to put um, uh, eye goggles on and, and pick up bottles that people had dropped off and throw them against a, a uh, brick wall that would smash the glass and then it would, it would make it easier for them to cart away. So it was a way for us to um, just have fun as a kid, as a 9, 10, 11 year old. I used to go there with my, with my friend AC, Adam C, and put the goggles on, put the gloves on, and just take, just take bottles and smash them against the wall. And it was some, there was something very invigorating about that. But, but another piece that, that was to this is, okay, so we had the three bins. One bin was glass, one bin was paper, and one bin was, was magazines. And the one with the magazines, as a young child, and you know you don't have um, ways that they do now to see um, the opposite sex in a sexual manner. Um, we only had magazines back then, and the only magazines that we would have would be potentially from our parents who might have left their um, you know Playboy around somewhere. Or you may have found it underneath the mattress, your father's mattress, or something like that. Um, but the, in these bins uh, was also um, nudie magazines in this this big huge like you're talking like uh, 20 or 30 foot by 20 or 30 foot container full of, of magazines so um, being that age being that I knew that there were magazines that um, had nude pictures in them um, and, that, and that they were being recycled at this center. As a child, I used to sneak in there on, on off days, right? So they'd be closed on a Sunday. So, so me and a couple of my friends, we would bike down there and sneak into the convenience center, the recycling center, and jump into these, um, these, these bins and uh, fumble through thousands and thousands of magazines looking for the nudie ones, you know, the nudie ones. And back then, the, the, some of the some of the names were Jugs. Jugs was a good one. Penthouse was a good one. Uh, we, <laughs> the French one spelled O U I. We was a good one, because we knew about uh, Playboy, and you know that was okay. That was you know you saw a naked woman, you saw the uh, what they were about. But these other ones were a little more risque and a little more um, debonair, and they had some some actual action in them. So. 
Um, so growing up, I knew a little bit about recycling from a, from a very bad way. And, you know, growing up through my 20s and so forth, it, 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 it meant no difference to me. I didn't give a crap about the environment. I just, I cared only about myself, right? I mean, that's what you did as a, as a child. You know, you're, you typically think about yourself. So, um, you know, once you get into your 20s and you start to, and, and of course, you know, at that time, it's the 90s and you're starting to hear about global warming and the rise of the sea levels and the diminishing of the, of the polar ice caps and, um, and all of these things. So you start to learn about uh, these, these items that, that you never were really taught about as a child. Now it's front and center because of the internet and all these things. And, you know, you, whether you believe it or not, humans are putting a pretty big footprint on this planet. And, you know, someday the machines may rise and we may be gone, um, but nature will still be there and, and nature will still take over. And when I say that, when you see some of these, some of these shows like when nature, when humans are gone, the, the plants will still be here. And, and there will be animals and these things that are still be here. So as we started to develop the plant vibration trainer, um, the very beginning of it did not include any component of being environmentally stable or, um, you know, environmentally friendly. I was only thinking about how I can connect with my plants like never before. So that was the first step was, was learning how to connect with them and then finding out that, okay, even after you connect with them, there's an, there's an improvement in, in health that, that can also be associated with this device for not only people, but the plants themselves. And, and that also, you know, transcends itself in, unto even a much further reach than we ever could have imagined. And at that point, during the development, during the product development process, which I'm very um, educated with, very experienced with because of my time with John Deere and understanding the product development process, um, again, the, the environmental aspect was not part of this equation at all. But as I continue to research and understand the, the indoor farming movement and specific to cannabis, the indoor farming um, tools that people use to increase their yields when it comes to cannabis, the canopy management, um, excuse me, became front and center in my thought process. And I began to shift my focus from uh, being able to vibrate the plants by sitting the plants on top of something, uh, a vibrating plant or whatever have you, I kept seeing over and over again that these larger commercial grows, where you're talking about thousands of square feet of, of indoor space where they're growing cannabis, that they had their canopy management tool, which is kind of like a sea of green or the scrog, the screen of green, just some type of system to regulate the amount of height uh, that these plants would grow so that it could all be uniform and the same distance away from the light above 
to increase that yield, I, I kept seeing this um, uh, this devastating, just freaking devastating uh, trait, this trend, this um, tool that they're using uh, to do this. So all of these thousands of square feet people, they're trying to increase their yield and they're thinking about the bottom dollar and they're thinking about efficiencies. And while they're doing that, they feel, they feel that this canopy management system that they have in place is in fact the best for them. They're wrong. And the reason that they're wrong is because that type of canopy management system that they're using is a plastic and or nylon uh, netting. And this plastic or nylon netting, you'll see on almost, well, I, I've probably say 99% of every single commercial application cannabis farm will use nylon or plastic netting as a canopy management tool to increase their yields. Now, this is great for their efficiency and for their bottom dollar. They look at this device, they look at this material as a necessity to increase their profits. And unfortunately, they're not thinking about it from a holistic point of view. And I say that because from my experience, now I, I say my experience because you know what folks, Although I am ingrained in the cannabis industry in a way uh, that is not normal for a lot of people, being that I, I live in a, in a hemp regulated state, there's no THC cannabis being grown in North Carolina, I still see this going on. And although I'm not involved specifically with the commercial application, I see an opportunity. I saw an opportunity with the individual uh, type of product that I developed um, to connect yourself with plants. And so I changed my strategy from the underneath vibrating table um, prototype to a canopy management prototype. And I saw an opportunity to not only integrate my product into a canopy management system that not only could be used for the individual, but for the commercial application as well. And, and that brought a new, a new benefit, a new advantage to my system over what's out there right now. And so all these big commercial guys, they'll use this nylon plastic netting and they'll drape it over the top of their plants when they're a certain height, certain age. And they again, they do this for efficiencies. And then as the plant grows, they do not train the plant, they just let it intertwine. So the plant grows up and through the square openings of these nylon and plastic netting. And it works great for a level canopy uh, to, be, to be created and, and get that certain spacing from the lighting. Works great for that, it's awesome. 
So what's the problem with that? Think about that for a second. So when it comes towards the harvest time, and what I'm, from what I understand and from what I see, uh, the harvest time in a commercial application, a commercial building, a commercial space that grows cannabis is, uh, they get their trichomes to the proper uh, hue, you know, whatever they're going for, whether it's completely clear, opaque, or amber, right? And, and then it's time to harvest. And I, I've observed people cutting down their plants, which is a manual process. Um, and, they do, and they do it in different ways. And I'm not sure who does it the best way. There's experts that are out there. Some cut underneath first and then take the netting off. Some take the netting off first and then cut underneath. So think, let's, let's try it. Let's take this one step at a time. So let's say that this particular commercial application, after it gets, after their plants have matured to a certain age, and it's time to take the, the nylon netting off of the plant so they can harvest it. So then they start to roll this, uh, this nylon netting off of the plant. And while they're doing so, they're kind of like ripping the nylon netting through the intertwined plant so that they can get it off of the plant. And while they're doing this, they are um, damaging their, their plants. They're damaging the fruits. They're pulling off some of the trichomes and they're, they're just making a balls of, of, their, of their harvest and their, all of their hard work to make this beautiful, beautiful, uh, sticky, icky, trichome filled, cannabinoid terpene flavonoid bud that is just look just awesome and if you look at all these pictures that they have they all show the pictures before they rip it off right and so then they rip off this thing and and you're damaging your buds while you're doing this while this netting is coming off of them you're damaging your babies your your the, all the fruits of your labor you're damaging as you're ripping these things off and then once they have it off, they take this, this bundled up pile of nylon netting. And I've spoken to a few people and, and, they all, and a lot of them tell me, well, we, we clean them. We try to save it and then we clean it and then we reuse it. And I just, I'm finding that very, very difficult to, to comprehend. I'm, I'm trying to think of it from their point of view. And... Yes, the nylon netting is probably fairly inexpensive for them to use. But when they're damaging their fruits and when they take it off, are they going to unravel this net and clean it and reuse it when they probably could just as well buy another roll of it for the next harvest? And what happens to that one they've just taken off? They, they throw it out. Or maybe it gets damaged. Regardless, I... I know that a lot of this netting ends up in, in, in the oceans. So I'm going to read this little piece, little blurb here. Plastic netting is the leading source of agricultural plastic waste. Globally, it is estimated that agricultural plastic waste accounts for 2% of the global waste burden. This is equivalent to 5.2 million tons of waste based on 2010 statistics. 
It just doesn't, this is old, right? This is 2010 statistics. So I, you know, we've all seen, unless you're under a rock somewhere, you've seen how the oceans are filled with plastic and all of these birds, aquatic birds are dying and turtles and have this netting all over it. Well, guess what? Your fucking cannabis canopy management system is one of the contributors to that motherfucking shit. I don't care what you say. And if you don't throw it out and you clean it, then that's a waste to me because it just doesn't work the way, it just doesn't work in an efficient, environmentally sensitive way. And so the other, the other method that I've seen people do is that they'll leave the netting on the top and they'll cut underneath it. And then they'll cut the, the nylon netting around each plant in order to hang it onto, a, onto their drying racks. Either way, um, they're, they're taking off this nylon netting that has been entangled with your plants and it's damaging your plants. And then most of the time you are not reusing it. You're throwing it out and it's plastic. It's plastic fucking waste, which is not good for our environment. And then you're taking a bunch of manual labor, you're hiring a bunch of people, maybe not hiring a bunch of people, but you're taking a lot of labor time for each person to go in there and cut each individual plant and then hang them on another device to dry them and cure them. So whether that be what they call drying racks or uh, just rods that they have, they're cutting them individually and then, then they turn around and they hang them on these rods and then these rods or these racks get brought and they get put into a drying room where they'll sit for uh, their cure period before they go to processing. So so where I'm trying to bring you with this is, is that when you use the plastic nylon netting as a canopy management tool, you are being wasteful. You may think in the beginning that it is a, is a cost savings. But if you're in this for the long haul and year after year you're having to buy nylon netting on an annual basis, I'd like to know what that cost is. Not only for the material, but the waste that you, you are creating when you're ripping it off your plants and when you're having to pay labor to take those plants and hang them onto drying racks, okay? And then I want you to think about the ganja grid and the plant vibration trainer as a canopy management tool. So I want you to think about environmentally, my product is aluminum, okay? And aluminum is one of the cleanest materials on the motherfucking planet when it comes to metal. It doesn't hurt the, 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 uh, it doesn't hurt the environment. It's sustainable, right? I mean, there's aluminum in the fucking ground. There's not plastic in the ground. Plastic is fucking man-made. Aluminum, you can fucking, or, you know, you can mine it, folks, right? So if you, if, if while I'm continuing to develop this product and scale it to a commercial application, not only are you going to get 
the improvement in plant health and grower health by the connection with your plants, you are not going to damage your fruits because you're not having to rip this thing off when you're going to harvest. What you're going to do is you're going to cut underneath the grid and use the grid as your motherfucking drying rack. Now, so you're not, you know, during the harvesting process, you're not, you're not having to tamper with the fruits of your labor. You cut underneath the grid, you turn the grid upside down, you bring it into your drying room and you, and you hang it in racks there. Now, do I have all that designed yet? No, but I will. With the help of some people that are out there that are listening to this right now, you will be reaching out to me and you'll be saying how you can help or how can I help, Glenn? I want to be a part of this movement that helps with a more sustainable way to grow and harvest a crop that's not going anywhere and that in the long run could help this planet in so, so many ways. So just think about that for a minute. I can use an aluminum grid that is lightweight and I can use it as the canopy management tool. It can vibrate my plants to improve yields, improve cannabinoid content, reduce uh, times to grow. I can use it for the drying rack. So I don't have a bunch of manual labor to cut each individual one and, and turn around and hang them onto, onto different uh, racking systems because it's all in one. It's all the same system. And then at the end of that harvest and yet at the end when it's done drying and you've uh, then cut the buds off of off of your drying rack that that have been cured. So all the keef and all the trichomes that you've damaged when you ripped off this nylon stuff, you're not touching any of that shit. It stays and it, it gels with your bud. So then when you go to the actual processing and you're cutting your buds off of the grid, you're not losing as much, there's less waste, right? And then after that, you simply clean it and you reuse it. So yes, the initial cost of the ganja grid may be more than what you're paying for right now for your nylon netting. But I wanna also know how much is it costing you in labor and how much is it costing you in drying racks? Because you have to put this whole system together in order, in order to understand the savings to your bottom line with this product. You get me? You understand where I'm going with this? If you put this all together, okay, the labor it takes me to put this product in maybe a little bit more upfront. But the backside of this is going to be a savings. And then you're going to have an annual reuse of this product. So you tell me which is more environmentally friendly. Plastic <coughs> slash nylon netting or an aluminum grid that you can reuse over and over again that helps with not only your bottom dollar line, your bottom line, and what gets lined in your pocket, but also helps the planet because you're not polluting 
the oceans. You're not polluting landfill because you're reusing something that, guess what? If it goes in the garbage, it came from the fucking earth. It's not man-made. So I want you to put that in your motherfucking pipe and smoke it. So as we are going through here, folks, I want you to think about that other piece of my product, the Plant Vibration Trainer, the environmental piece. Now, so this is episode 10 of season one. And we've gone through the three components of the, of the device, of our device, the Human Connections device. And come next week, we're going to finish it. We're gonna, there's four main pillars that, that we have uh, that hold up the standard of the Plant Vibration Trainer. And so the final piece is going to be the experience. And this is the one that really hits home with me because it's what started this whole, this whole endeavor of mine. It started with the experience, the bond that we have. So next week, we're going to hit that motherfucking shit up, right? So we got a lot of things going on. We got, uh, uh, we're going to try and hit up some, some trade shows once this pandemic opens up a little bit because people need to put their hands on this thing and feel the power not just see it on screen and say it's this, it's that. This is going to change the way we grow in so many ways, folks. Thank you so much for joining me. I am evolving. We are evolving. I want you to continue to follow me. Subscribe to Growing Off the Grid. Go check out www.ganjagrid.com and just wait for the Human Connections next big announcement with a new product that's already being developed inside my head. All right, folks, thank you so much for joining me. We'll see you next time on Growing Off the Grid. This is the G Money signing off over and out.